According to child psychologist Dr. Laura Markham, saying no to your child helps with setting boundaries and limits, which aid in their development emotionally, physically, and mentally. Never saying it, Dr. Markham says, can leave children ill-equipped to deal with the real world. I'm Danielle. And I'm Raleigh. And this is Unstuck, the special education podcast. Really jamming out those tunes today, Raleigh. Pumping me up for this podcast. Nothing like that royalty-free music to get you going. (laughs) Dolby Music Stock or whatever. Let me tell you this. It's hot up here in the uh, northeast corner of the country. I think we're on day four of the heat wave. So if you hear the click of the air conditioner, don't be alarmed. We, we just can't do this without it. Without I mean, it's already a little hot in here. Oh, well, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we've got some heat this week and some humidity. Yep. Really making it sticky outside. Mm-hmm. How's it going otherwise, though? Good. Good, good. Um, you know... Living the life of the summer camps. Oh. Working in the summer camp, yeah. Which is not exactly like your traditional summer camp. Um, makes me think of the of the working on not saying yes to everything. Because I think in the summer, especially, we tend to be a little more lax. And I'll tell you, as someone who works in a school setting and in a summer camp less structured or more fun setting, it is definitely a challenge when kids are not held to some of the same structured um, expectations because it's just harder to do so. So I think this is a relevant and important topic, um, especially in sort of the current climate um, in terms of feeling like we, we maybe we feel bad for kids. We think that the answer is to just give in more often. They're, they're going through a lot. They're anxious. They've got some stuff. So let's just we'll just say yes. We'll just let them do whatever they want to do. And we tend to find out, especially kids that are maybe already having some learning challenges or emotional challenges, this is not necessarily the best route, at least that I have found in my career. I'm sure you would echo that as well. Yeah, no, I do echo that. And it creates, to me, it creates some internal chaos with kids because there's no Mm -hmm. one setting boundaries or limits. So they actually become a little limitless. And I remember um, thinking about some of the students that we've had over the years who we've had plans where we've tried everything else and either potentially the family wanted us to try something or uh, where we're not saying necessarily no to the student ever. Um, But there have been a couple of instances, I think, throughout our time working together, but also in my experience in public school, too, I feel like no is a harder... um, is a harder answer to give a lot of times because you never want to set the child up in a public school setting with Mm -hmm. 25 other students. So I feel like more often than not, you come up with this fabulous plan. And then when teachers are asked, you know, when we're asked to execute it, it's really hard in the moment to actually sit there, say no and follow through with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, as you alluded to, I think in the past we, we would have certain kids where we tried everything and it was sort of like, well, this child, you know, has a very willful intent to be away from the group and they have their own ideas of what they want to do. So let's roll with it. Let's see what happens. I think probably none of us thought that that was actually going to be super successful, but let's see what happens. Just say yes when you can. And I often do tell my students, like, I want to say yes as often as I possibly can, but there are going to be times where no is just the answer. But, you know, seeing the plan of just say yes, and I can't say that it ever worked. And in fact, it tended to exacerbate the problem because now 
you know, a child is, is feeling like, well, where is that boundary? And something that I've definitely learned in my time, and it doesn't have to be even just kids with special, you know, needs or kids that have, are in separate settings. I think being able to set a boundary line and saying, this is just what's expected for you as a child in the world. You don't get to make the big adult decisions. You don't get to influence everything everybody does all the time. That's not the role of a child. It's not that we don't want their voices heard or their thoughts to be respected and validated, but it's not up to them to create the all the dynamics around them and to create their own education situation and to create their own, you know, how they're spending all their time. That's not, it's not doing them a service to say, yeah, go ahead. Just whatever you want to do on the internet, whatever you want to, you know, do outside with with whoever you want to do it with and however you want to speak to people. It's just not the way the world works. Well, Everybody hears no at some point in time. Well, and it's just not the way their brain capacity could manage it. That's why adults are in children's lives for as long as they are because of that plasticity or whatever. You know, they don't have the the oh, that plasticity thing. Yeah. <laughs> that what, thing. What is that thing? I don't know. <laughs> you know somebody they, once said this thing called like plasticity, and so I just thought I'd throw it out yeah, there in the podcast. Well, I don't know. I think that's the wrong word, so I was trying to skip past it for 10 minutes. I think that elasticity, is it plastic? Well, let's, let's call back to our executive functioning yeah. training, shall we? Or our executive functioning podcast. We do trainings on this. Uh, executive functioning podcast. We talk about how a, a child's brain is not mature until, what is it now, 25, 26? 25, 26 for boys. So we're talking about... Also, you can definitely overlap these two ideas that their brains are more plastic. You know, there is more um, flexibility. Things aren't always hardwired yet. So there is an ability, but but we know the frontal lobe is not fully developed. We know that decision-making and judgment are not the strong suits of children and adolescents. So by saying to them, hey, we know that you're sort of not even like biologically and and developmentally equipped to handle this but let's give you every freedom you can possibly want because it's when we say no to you you have a big reaction or you challenge us or it's tedious to deal with you you're unrelenting you ask and you ask and you ask and you ask so we just finally say yes and then what are they learning well if i just stick at it long enough they're gonna say yes a lot of children get referred to my program that i work in because they are in a situation where they are learning that behavior has their has the consequences that they want if i i mean we still have children that say well if i do this you'll you'll let me you'll let me have my way that's what's always happened and when they can verbalize that that's phenomenal they can't always do that but hey i've learned that when i put up a fight and i scream and yell in your face someone's going to say yes to me so i don't have to or i can avoid what i don't want to do and what we've really had to work on teaching kids is there's a way that we will be flexible when we can be it's not always the case though and that and it's not trying to make you someone you're not and conform in some sort of way it's just there are ways that we function ways that are acceptable for you as a student as a person in the world that i feel i'm doing a disservice to a child if i don't follow through on that well and i think you're i think circling around the point of transparency and Mm -hmm. i think for any not plasticity not plasticity i got this one right transparency uh where Transparency, where um, I think at most ages for students, there's a level of transparency you can have when you have to say no mm-hmm. about something and help te- create that teachable moment for them of why you have to say no. And a lot of times in the moment, they probably can't hear it. Or, you know, when a student's escalating because they hear no, um, they can't hear it. So that's where you have to circle back after and process. And I think you've said this a couple of times with students that you've worked with, where you're like telling them why you have to say no or well, giving them that pro- that previewing that you're like, I'm going to have to say no sometimes. And that way you can 
you know, call that back later mm-hmm. and say, this is one of those times where I have to say, no, here's the reason why. And I think having those open and honest relationships and conversations with kids also helps in their development. Absolutely. Well, and it's showing it's you're modeling all the time. The kids, you know, we say like, oh, they they look up to LeBron James and, you know, they look up to Tom Brady. Well, what they're who they're really looking up to is every single one of us. We're the people that they're modeling after, even if, you know, obviously families as well. And I'm not saying it's only teachers and, and education stuff, but we're who they're with. These are the people in their lives. If we're not showing them healthy relationships, healthy ways to interact, then we're, again, we're doing a disservice. And I think by saying yes to things, I just, I find over the past, I don't know, we'll call it a half a decade because that sounds more dramatic than five years, Mm -hmm. half a decade, I've definitely started seeing more and more of what I dare call the entitled child, where students will come in with a lot of backing from others in their lives or experiences where they feel it is their prerogative to control the situation that they're in. And then maybe someone in their lives is also kind of pushing that agenda as well. And so you're trying to be the one saying no or saying this isn't something, even if you don't say, have to say the two, the N-O, if you say, this is not something we can do right now, you know, let's dance around the, the subject, but you're setting that limit essentially. You're putting parameters in place and saying, this is not a doable thing. And then you have someone else come in and say, actually, no, that is going to happen. I, we just had a situation like this and it, and it was someone outside of our programming who was on the team of a child saying, nope, this is going to happen whether anybody wants it to or not. I want it to happen and I'm going to make it happen. Whatever's in the best interest that you all feel for this child, it's not really what I want. So I'm doing what I want. And if we can't even deal with adults who are understanding of hearing no sometimes, or like this may not be in the best interest or let's compromise and collaborate, how are children ever learning to do that with each other? We've talked in previous episodes about kids not learning how to resolve conflict on their own, not learning how to manage emotions, not learning how to sit with feelings that are uncomfortable because we're always making things, not always, but a lot of times we are trying to make things easier. And in fact, what we do in the long run is we make it harder because when they're really faced with obstacles as young adults, teens, older adults, they don't have those resources to pull up and say, oh, I remember what this was like and here's how I got through these things. They've always had someone clearing the path. Well, it's that resiliency that they're missing. I also... Uh, to add to your list around managing emotions, it's that it creates also to me a lack of perspective taking if you're always saying yes to students. Because if you're saying yes to them and it affects other people in a negative way, they're not actually seeing how that ha- how that plays out. Whereas mm-hmm. if you're saying no or not right now well, or this is the right time, here's why, you can actually give them that, shed if that light a, on and, it. And quite frankly, if it's appropriate to say here's why. Right. Because I don't know, if you grew up like I did in in the 80s and someone said no any adult said no to you didn't have to be your parents any adult said no you can't do that yes ma'am yes sir Mm -hmm. I heard no I'm not doing it instead of you don't tell me what to do you don't tell my kid what to do so I think being able to I love the idea of the perspective taking of understanding because we also get this from social interaction we Mm -hmm. understand perspective when we have social interactions with people we understand where someone else is coming from if we never understand why we can't do something and we never understand that we need to sometimes accept that we can't do something how are we ever going to be in a collaborative situation with other people when i think you also mentioned too a couple of it doesn't have to be if you know students are sensitive to the word no because i know in working for as many years as we have in special education 
sometimes it's a, that's actually the trigger for the student is hearing right. the word no, but there are so many other ways that you yeah. can say it, uh, you know, and I think you've alluded to a bunch of them, not right now, let's talk about this later, well, I love here's the, front the expectation first, then statements, yes, those like, type of things. Yes, the answer is, is going to be yes, but not right now. Yeah. Or here's what we're going to do. This can't happen right now, but here's what we're yeah. going to do. Or first we're going to do this, and yeah. then, you, then can, you can do you, know. you can do that. Or if you finish this, then yes, you can have that. I mean, there are just so many ways to to flexibly say it with getting what you need done first, and then you know if that's the situation. If a kid is just at ten o'clock saying, "Can I go out to recess?" and recess already happened, well, you know, tomorrow you can have recess. You also, yeah. <laughs> And that'll work well for yeah. somebody. You also have to, I think, expect the the pushback. So who knows what where they're at, depending on where what you know placement they're in, or if they're at home, if they're in school, if they're in a sub separate. What is their reaction going to be, and can you ride out that behavior? Because again, all behavior has meaning, and they're telling us, "I didn't like that answer, and here's what I'm going to do to make you change your mind." And we love to say the plan doesn't change. You hurting me doesn't change my plan. You throwing your you know, shoe across the room doesn't change my you plan. You running away doesn't change You running mind. away doesn't change my plan. You swearing at me doesn't change it. Nothing is going to change that because that's the expectation. And I think we have all different levels of threshold for what we're willing to tolerate. And that's where you start getting into, okay, so, you know, I could see like the question being, well, I've said no to this child and here's what they do as a result. And it's really big behavior that we're struggling to manage. Okay, well, now we're talking about is it a time to pull together multiple members of, of the school setting and, and the team together to really talk about everyone being consistent? Because the other thing that a lot of children are really good at is saying, Danielle's gonna say one thing, but Raleigh will say something else. So I'm gonna find the person to tell me the answer I want. And then I'm gonna go back to the first person and say, this one told me yes, you said no. And now what do you do? Now you're in a whole other dilemma of this, we, what we love to call splitting staff, but you can call it splitting adults. and making sure people are on the same page. I mean, you know, if there could be a theme for Unstuck the Podcast, in parentheses, consistency matters. Like mm -hmm. it's it's all about everyone being on the same page and giving the same message. And certainly you're dealing with, you know, if you're dealing with a 17-year-old versus a, you know, six-year-old with autism, you've got different things you're looking at. But understanding that everybody has to be consistent and that you are flexible when you can be, but there are times that it's just not something you can do. Well, and I also, I want to, I want to point out that there are a million times, I think, I don't know if it's a million, I haven't counted them, but oh, there are, no. there are lots of times where I've said no to a child, um, and regretted that decision right away because it was more power and control on my part and not what's best for the kid. And I think it's really important to own that, but I, to, to your point with consistency, I think you follow through and you adjust your plan so that the student doesn't feel like they're getting their way after mm. the fact. I mean, I think that's the hard piece because it's like, see, I told you so, or just owning, depending on yeah. the maturity and age of the student. There have been times where I've like, look, I said no to you and I'm, I, I don't know why, I'm sorry, I don't know why I said no to you. I, um, I, let's try it and let's see what happens. Or if you say no and it's a student that can't handle that or or you're working on power and control with that student, you adjust it a little bit. So, well, you know what, first we're gonna, let's first clean up these pencils and then you can, you know, get whatever you need. And I think there's some adjusting to make that power of consistency, I think still stands even when you know that you're in the midst of that mistake of mm -hmm. saying no to a student. 
Well, I think self-awareness as the adult is also really critical and understanding in the moment, like you were kind of alluding to, is what am I feeling right now? Why did I do that? Did I say no just because I'm upset about something else and I'm just feeling... Or frustrated with a kid. Frustrated, right. I'm frustrated. I just have had it and this is why I said it. I think that something I've learned um, over my years is that it goes a long way to admit that to a kid sometimes and to say, hey, look, I made a mistake. I was getting frustrated because you're normalizing human behavior and emotion. You're normalizing that people make mistakes. People have feelings. It's okay. We're not perfect. Some of these kids might think we live at the school because I still get that. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, you, like you go, to, you go to the grocery store. Um, and I can't say I didn't re- remember that, thinking that about my teachers when I was a kid. But realizing that we're humans who also have human emotions and feelings and thoughts. And so that's really normalizing for kids. And to say, look, I made a mistake. Doesn't make what you did okay or whatever, you know, however you want to frame it. But it's okay to say, like, I realize I was, I was a little bit harsh or I realize I was you know, that was a little much and I'm sorry for that um, and work on repairing the relationship because that's, again, the restorative piece that I think is so important. Well, I don't, I don't don't remember if I said this on a former podcast, so apologies in advance. You can fast forward like a minute Um, (laughs) or not. I use this example in a lot of the professional developments I do and it's, it's owning your mistake and apologizing and it's like the, in the simplest form. Uh, I was I was one to one with a kid, and we were playing a game. Um, I don't. I actually think another teacher had told him he couldn't go out to recess, and I was like, "Oh, I'll. Pl- I'll sit. I have a prep. I'll, you know, play a game with you." And we were playing, and I accidentally said that S word, S H I, you know, mm. that word. I don't want to say because I don't want to put explicit content uh, on this shucks. one. Not yeah, shucks. Okay. Similar to shucks, though, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and. Immediately, I realized this in front of the student, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I really, um, I really shouldn't." Said that he was cracking up, and for the next, I think he graduated probably like from our school from eighth grade. Um, a couple years later, that he just never let me live it down. And, yeah. But he never shared it with. I think it actually happened twice. Um, but he never shared it uh, with other kids. But it was our little inside joke. Um, but our relationship jumped exponentially at that point because it was like yep people make mistakes that's it we all make mistakes Mm -hmm. so but it does to your to your piece about restorative practices i think that's where a lot of this comes into play where um it's okay to own your mistakes it's okay i know this is like offshoot of of saying no but you know if if we're having a group or calling a circle together to own our mistakes or um if a student has a big reaction to no, he can see that he, she, or they can see that perspective around how it affects other people. And so I think, you know, bringing that restorative piece into it, that community building um, is really helpful. And I think it also offers sort of in a way previewing where you may not have to say no, where you have those boundaries set so far in advance with, with that, um, with that community of students. Something else that you and I were trained in Mm -hmm. that I, I have to admit that initially, and I don't know, again, it may have been my own um, annoyance with the adult who was presenting (laughs) the information to us or who was presenting it from the company or the, yeah. yeah. So it may have been my own, because once I stepped back and was like, how is this good for the kids? I realized that it actually was exponentially is really good for the kids was collaborative problem solving. Yes. Yeah. And it's something we went through vast training together uh, years ago, and I still use today specifically with kids with executive functioning deficits because you can um collaborative problem solving has this thinking skills inventory it's free on um the think kids website and it goes through you can actually get an analysis of kids in their executive functioning 
um, strengths and challenges as well as their social skills stuff on a simple checklist. But I digress. The real reason for the, for bringing this up is collaborative, pro collaborative problem solving has three different areas. Plan A, plan B, plan C. Plan A is non-negotiable. Teacher says no, and that's it. Plan B is let's negotiate. And plan C is, is this really worth it? Should I let it go? This reminds me a little bit of the office episode where it's <laughs> the win, win, win. And the, sorry, the, <laughs> the win, lose, the win, win, the win, win, win. But anyway. I mean, that's pretty much what it is. Right, right. <laughs> Depending on where you sit. Um, yeah, if you're the yeah. teacher, the win-win, I guess, is plan A. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but regardless, it gives um, creating those moments or even having some self-reflection of like, where is no in this mm -hmm. uh, for me right now? And it, if it's a safety issue, then absolutely it should be a plan A. What I say goes, we need to walk out for the fire drill. If it's something that you know a student does... Uh, independent worksheet first versus a partner project and you're like well this is negotiable mm -hmm. yep you can switch it up or is it really worth the no at that point you know I think those all build relationships with kids and are helpful oh definitely well, and I was thinking, you know, we talk about, like you said, executive functioning challenges or kids on the autism spectrum. Sometimes it, it really is a lot about, you know, different maybe from than coming from like a purely emotional piece or like a, a you know, other area is really that explicit coaching around, like you were saying about the fire drill or something explicitly taught. Why is this? You know, it seems we always, I think we tend to assume, well, kids know that's a dangerous thing. Of course they have to, but when they're on their, you know, when they're reading their story and they have three pages left and the fire alarm goes off, can we work on why it's more important to put the page down and, and put the book down and go instead of let me finish these three pages. So I think in some of those instances, depending on the, you know, the learning style and the type of, of brain that we're dealing with, do we really coach through, well, why is this, you know, versus like, I'm just, you know, kind of willfully telling, you no because I want to do something else. And you're, you're cracking through something a little different than I may not understand it, or I may need to just be taught here are the times when this is not a negotiable thing. And we, you know, we love to, to stray away from the black and white sometimes. And I think that's the no and the, the yes type of thing. But like, sometimes it is just, it is this, that's it. There are the, these are the rules. And, you know, depending on when you can be flexible. And I think, you know, you and I have both had experiences with students where you give them some kind of little bonus treat thing that's not part of the rules. Like, oh, I got an extra popsicle. Why did you say, why did you let me get, hey, don't tell anybody, but I gave you an extra, pop you know, and not in a creepy way, but just like, yeah. you know, you know, like that's, I noticed that you were doing this. And that's what I mean by finding opportunities to say yes or surprise them with something really positive. Like, hey, I've been noticing that you're doing all these great things. Usually the rule is everybody gets one popsicle when we have this, you know, special event every week. I'm letting you have two because you've done such a great job. Am I going to say yes to two every time? Probably not. But this one time, because that's also the flexible thinking. It doesn't always have to be one or the other, but there are times when it has to just be the plan is the adult's plan and that's it. Well, to your point of consistency being a running theme throughout all of our podcasts, I would say 1A, consistency, 1B is relationship building. Yeah, and so everything to me comes back to those two things, maybe a couple other, maybe we'll think yeah, of a few I'm other, sure but like enough. those two things right now are what I can think of are, are, yeah, are really important in building relationships with students. Mm -hmm. So, Well, building those relationships during positive times so that when things aren't going so well, you can draw on that relationship. And again, it's kids, I think, really benefit from seeing us as the keepers of the consistency and the safety. These adults are going to keep me safe. They're going to 
you know, stop me from doing something that I shouldn't be doing. I have, I mean, we tend to assume and know because we've done this a long time and there's a lot of evidence to support it, I would say. I mean, can I call up a research study? Probably not. But there's, I think there's anecdotal evidence to support that kids crave that structure. We've actually had kids verbalize that to us saying, I really want you to say this to, like, I want you to hold me accountable for this because essentially I know I shouldn't be able to get away with that and I want you to hold me accountable. Why is that? Because a lot of times holding them accountable shows that we care. Mm -hmm. When you let kids do whatever they want to do, whenever they want to do it, you may not be showing them that you are very concerned with what they're doing and how you are, how they are, you know, treating themselves and how they're treating other people. It's almost indifferent. And I don't know that that's people's intentions. I love to assume positive intent, but when you are not engaging in that when you're letting your kid run around the store and disrupt everybody that's in there that's not having consideration for other people and it's kind of indifferent it's like i don't want to set the limit because it's a lot of work rather than saying you know what it's important to teach you this now even if it's a lot of work to teach you this now well and a lot of times those kids i'm not gonna say all the time but a lot of times kids who are doing that go further and further more disruptive more behavioral and a lot of times it's let me see how far i'll go until you actually keep me safe yeah and that is really important to remember when you're thinking about behaviors because i think there is some consistency that you have to have with kids to hold rein them in to make sure that they know you're going to keep them safe well and another thing to add is that the more you do this and front load it when they're really young as much as you can the less likely this is going to be an ongoing issue. But like you said, at some point it becomes more of what they're expect that it's more of what they're used to. And now the reactions get their their limit pushing gets bigger. Mm -hmm. Their reactions get bigger. And I mean, is this a hundred out of a hundred times? Probably not. But I think you could err on the side of kind of working on this and, and putting in the work ahead in the beginning to avoid these issues further down the line. Correct. Thanks. (laughs) Um, all right. Well, how about we shift a little bit to uh, our random topic generator? Okay. So I just have an image in my head, but would you rather have a freakishly large smile or a freakishly small nose? And for some reason, all I can think of is Johnny Depp and Willy Wonka with the freakishly <laughs> large smile. But I, I'll, I think I'll go with, uh, I'll go with a, a uh, the nose. Okay. Do you have any reason for that? <laughs> I freakishly large smile scares me a little bit. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. <laughs> and as someone who has a little bit of a larger nose now, I feel that oh, I think okay. having something a but little bit smaller. But remember the words freakishly. Yeah. <laughs> We're not just shave it off a little. <laughs> Take a little off the tip and yeah. call it a day. I don't know. I just feel like a, a large, a freakishly large smile would be scary to people okay. and myself. I'd well, scare myself. Guess what? I'm going with the smile. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I already have a pretty big one, but I'll I'll add to it. That's I, fine. I wouldn't call your smile very big. You don't think so? No. I think it's a normal size. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think it's a big. You know what? All right. Well. <laughs> This wasn't what this is about. This is yeah. what this is about. <laughs> I, I mean, I I just picture a freakishly large smile like a scary clown. Oh yeah, absolutely. So you'd rather be a scary clown? Yeah, or like um what's that movie? Oh or the Chesh- for Vendetta. Or the, the Cheshire big... Cat. Yeah, there's I mean there's plenty of them. Okay, you know what? I'd like to be able to smell things. <laughs> so are you saying with a freakishly small nose I wouldn't be able to smell anything? It's kind of assumed. 
Don't you think? I don't think so. I didn't think so. But now I might have to change my mind because well, I want to be able to smell things. Up. You picked the nose. <laughs> I want to be able to smell things. Well, oh, sorry. All right. Maybe next time. <laughs> well, thanks everyone for listening to episode one five. Uh, we really appreciate everyone sticking wow. around during the summer. Uh, enjoy the summer. Hopefully, everyone's enjoying enjoying it. Um, you know what's great about Unstuck the podcast is what? you can listen to us at the beach, at the cookout. By the pool. On a run. On a run in a hot, disgusting day. I mean, some people have said that to me. While I'm running, I listen to the podcast. I didn't really... Then I'm glad we picked the song we did today. Camping. Camping. (laughs) If you're camping, absolutely. Um, Sitting in a hammock. Mm, That's another... Floating on a float. Any of those things work. Uh, Feel free to... Well, not feel free. Please do. Follow us on all of our social media pages, Facebook, uh, Instagram, TikTok. TikTok, I guess, even though we haven't done videos. We keep meeting we'll get to. there. We'll get there. It's really hard. We'll get there. Uh, We're women of a certain age. <laughs> we'll get there. Yeah. But we, we are really funny, so I feel like these videos would be yeah, beneficial to people. At least so. uh, LinkedIn um, and Twitter. Follow us. Please send us ideas. We're happy to talk about, honestly, pretty much anything. And especially considering that even though I don't feel like it should be back to school time, I'm seeing commercials for it already. Uh Obviously, with the new school year starting in about, I don't know, six weeks, a couple months, um, hit us up with any thoughts and things to talk about prior to the start of another school year. Dun, dun, dun. All right. All right. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye.